The following is a paid advertisement of St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedics. References to any specific product, services, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by St. Anthony Hospital, Carroll Broadcasting, or its advertisers. The views expressed by the host or guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Welcome to the St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedic Show with Dr. Richard Godding. Dr. Godding specializes in joint preservation, reconstruction, and replacement surgery, and brings over 25 years of orthopedic excellence to St. Anthony Hospital and to the Carroll area. For more information about Dr. Godding, his practice, or St. Anthony Orthopedics, go to stanthonyhospital.org or make an appointment by calling 712-794-5536. Good Sunday morning, Iowa. It's Dr. Rick Godding. Thanks for choosing to spend some time with me here today. And I guess I have to say a little bit about the Super Bowl. I was really disappointed in the fact that Brock Purdy didn't get the win because I just thought that would be neat. I think he's a terrific kid. And I just think it's it was cool to see him there. To you know, He just seems just like such an outstanding young man. And... He just kept his composure completely. I mean, you know, obviously the Chiefs are good. Obviously Mahomes is probably going to end up, by the end of his career, being known as one of the best ever. But it would have been nice to see Purdy pull that off. But it was not meant to be. And so, again, I don't have any dog in the fight. I don't really follow pro football at all. As a matter of fact, that is the first football game since I that I've watched a pro football game that I've watched since last year's Super Bowl. <laughs> we end up going to the same guy's house, same friends of ours house every year and uh, at Super Bowl. So, so that's what we do. And of course the weather looks like, so here's the thing. Now I'm, I've moved my recording to Monday. So if I say the weather looks like it's decent, I'm talking about Monday and you're listening to this on Sunday, almost a week later, and it could be a catastrophe by then. But, as of today, Monday, it looks not too bad, but I hear that it's going to start sneaking up on us and we're going to have one more little battle with winter, which I guess if we have one more quick one and then it, it's off into uh, spring, I guess I can live with that. I am really looking forward to spring to get back on my mountain bike and just, you know, planting all the things that come in spring. I love to plant a little garden and I don't know how much I will this year. But typically in the past I have, but we'll see. I'm not eating plants right now, obviously. If you've been listening, you know I'm on this carnivore diet. I'm doing well. I'm down 25 pounds. My skin is clearing up. I feel fantastic. I'm sleeping better. I'm hoping to get rid of my CPAP, which I have for sleep apnea, with this diet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lose weight on the carnivore diet till I get to my target weight. And then I'm going to try to figure out what I'm going to do. And my target weight's still a ways off. So I probably, you know, I'll probably do the carnivore diet for a year or so and see what happens. It's very interesting because some people with ketogenic diets, they talk about, well, your cholesterol goes up, but it's very interesting. A new study came out and it was actually a, what they call a meta-analysis and a meta-analysis is a study that looks at a bunch of other studies and tries to see if there are patterns within the studies. And this meta-analysis 
basically showed, not basically, this meta-analysis showed that people with a normal body mass index who are on the ketogenic diet, and the ketogenic diet is a diet that where you start to use ketone bodies rather than carbohydrates for energy. That way you're burning off your fat. But some people get on the ketogenic diet because it has very high anti-inflammatory properties and they're able to get rid of inflammatory conditions like psoriasis or improve psoriasis and things like that. I can tell you my skin has cleared up dramatically. My tennis elbow is gone. I really thought I was going to have to have surgery and it doesn't hurt anymore. After about three weeks, it stopped hurting. And so in this study, obese people, and I would fall into that category by the numbers who are on the ketogenic diet, their cholesterol numbers don't worsen, but a lot of times thin people's cholesterol numbers will worsen. Now there's big debates about cholesterol nowadays anyway, and how important it actually is in predicting heart attacks, which it used to be dogmatically that, you know, high cholesterol equals clotting arteries equals heart attacks. That, that dogma seems to be under consideration at this point anyway. So that's what I'm doing. Just keeping the weight down. My knees feel better. My ankles feel better. And of course, part of that might be the anti-inflammatory, but certainly part of it is just less weight. Like I said, the knee, as you walk, your knee has 1.2 times your body weight goes right across your kneecap because of mechanically the way it works. Because when your quadriceps are firing, the quadriceps are the, are the muscles on the front of your knee when they're firing. And so what that does is that shortens the quadriceps. So basically your thigh muscles on the front, they're shortening. And so they're pulling the kneecap essentially up. But when the knee is bent, what that does is the kneecap acts as a pulley and it pulls the rest of the knee, the leg. Technically we call it the leg. If it's below the knee, we call it the leg. And then the whole people would say leg and they mean, you know, from the thigh on down. But in orthopedics, we say the leg is from the knee down and the lower extremity is from the thigh down. So we differentiate it that way as far as terminology goes. And so the way your knee is going into extension. So if flexion means it's bent, extension means it's straightened out. And when your knee is bent and you're straightening it, your quadriceps muscle, the muscle on the front of your thigh is contracting. And when it contracts, it shortens. So that's bringing the kneecap towards your pelvis or your waist. And as the kneecap comes up, it's going around the corner. The corner is the end of your femur bone. So it's, it's pressing directly back on that. Now, while you're walking, at the same time, you have your body weight going across that because your other leg is in what we call swing phase. So your gait happens this, this way. Let's say you're just standing there, both your feet are together. You take your left leg and you swing it out in front of you. That's called swing phase. And the other one is automatically in stance phase. Then your left heel will hit the ground. That's called heel strike. <laughs> And then you go into swing phase with your right knee and your left lower extremity goes into stance phase. So you have your whole body weight when you're walking, your whole body weight is going across your knee plus the additional force that is generated by your thigh muscle pulling your kneecap towards your head so that, or towards your waist so that 
the leg, the tibia, comes forward. And so that's very stressful on the back of the kneecap. And the back of the kneecap is a small area. You imagine it's about the size of a half dollar. And if you have a half dollar size piece of material and it's taking 1.2 times your body weight, well, if you're, if you're my size, that's a lot of weight. <laughs> so we went over last week, we went over the uh, non-operative methods for treating knee pain. And again, starting, I'll just go over them quickly again. So essentially, first of all, you have weight loss. And if you do weight loss in a way that it's anti-inflammatory, so weight loss can, some people count calories, that's not very effective in the long term because you just can't eat in a calorie deficit over time. It just doesn't, it doesn't really work. I mean, for most people, some people it does, but people who have gained a lot of weight, they have trouble. I can tell this, <laughs> tell you this from direct experience. It's just hard for me to, well, I'm just going to eat less. It just doesn't work. So the other types of diets are is like the ketogenic diet that changes your metabolic state. That's why I'm doing that. So diet can be anti-inflammatory, and there are also other anti-inflammatory diets. There, You can be a vegetarian diet, and maybe you could eat as much as you want. I don't know a lot about vegetarian diets. I know that they're not for me. And so your diet will make you lose weight, and then that's a lot of weight that's not on the knee. And then additionally, it can be anti-inflammatory. And what I mean is it can, when you eat things like like vegetable oils. Vegetable oils are highly inflammatory. There's a lot of vegetables that are highly inflammatory. The grains that we're eating in this country at this time are very inflammatory, which is interesting because the grains being consumed in Europe are not all that inflammatory, and there's a lot of data behind that. The grains that we're using here, specifically the wheat, is very inflammatory because they've altered the wheat so that there's two growing seasons in a year, and so for whatever, there's some biochemical reasons, but that wheat is now very inflammatory. And so American people eating bread here have a much more inflammatory reaction to it than Italians, for instance, eating baguettes, uh, Italian baguettes in Italy. It's just a different thing. So losing weight, reducing the inflammatory components of your diet, those will help your knees and your hips and probably your whole body. Then taking anti-inflammatory medications like Motrin, and then those can go all the way up into not just the ones that you can get over-the-counter, but there are prescription-strength anti-inflammatories as well. And then the next would be injections. So you can have an anti-inflammatory injection, which is a cortisone, or you could have a lubricating injection, the quote-unquote chicken comb injection, Next after that is doing what we call a neurolysis or we injure the nerve and you can do that with either cold or with chemicals. And the next is knee replacement, either partial or full. And partials are not very common. They shouldn't be very common. I've done a whole lot of redo operations on partial knee replacements and I think I think the reason for that is that some surgeons get very excited when they can do something novel like a partial knee replacement. And so then it gets into the old, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. 
But what I can tell you is I've done probably around 3,000 knee replacements or actually more than that. I have to think about it. I've been doing this 20 years and done well over 100 a year and sometimes up to 400 a year. So, you know, 3,000, 3,500. I've done two or three partial knee replacements. And now there are people who have practices where they do more partial knee replacements that are probably reasonable. And when I say reasonable, I mean the knee that you do a partial knee replacement in has to be perfect in the other two compartments. So a partial knee replacement replaces part of the knee. So it's usually the, it's always, it's either the inside of the knee, behind the kneecap, or the outside of the knee. The inside and outside of the knee are the most predictably good. The, the kneecap replacements, what we call the patellofemoral compartment, don't really do all that well when they're isolated meaning that they're not part of a total knee replacement. So with partial knee replacements, you're going to replace one of the three compartments of the knee. So there's an inner compartment called the medial compartment. There's an outer compartment called the lateral compartment. And when I say inner and outer, what I mean is the inner compartment would be the the side of your knee that is closest to the other knee. And the outer compartment would be the opposite side of that. And then the patellofemoral compartment, which is where the kneecap is. So you're either going to replace the inside, the inner compartment, the medial compartment, the lateral compartment, which is the outside, or the patellofemoral. And that means that the cartilage in the rest of that knee has to be perfect. And what I see is patients having it done and their knees not perfect in the other compartments. And then I'm redoing it five or six years later. And I've done a fair number of redos of those. So it's got promise, like I, I have done it, and, and I do it in essentially a younger patient because if you're in your 70s, just get the total knee replacement. I mean, honestly, what would be the reason to only do a partial? The reasons to do a partial in the first place is to preserve the rest of your bone and cartilage for later. Well, if you're 70 and you're getting a knee replacement, the chances that that knee is going to wear out are very slim because, I mean, knee replacements last about 25 years anyway and then if you add and that's all comers so that includes the 50 year olds and the 70 year olds but if you're 75 let's say and you're going to get a 25 year knee that's probably going to last fairly a bit longer because you're not as active as you were when you're 50 and the chances of having that knee redone if it's done right the first time are very slim so what's the advantage to doing a partial well there is none except as a gimmick like, oh, look, you can have just a partial. And, I mean, I guess if you were a 75-year-old and you were a super athlete and wanted to keep doing, I don't know, basketball or hockey or whatever, something like that, not a lot of 70-year-olds doing that stuff, but I guess there are some. I guess you could maybe make an excuse that that's appropriate, but I just find that it's a very overdone operation. Now, if you're 50 and you're athletic and you only have arthritis on one part of your knee, I think it's a very good operation. Because then when you go back to redo the knee 20, 25 years later, you have a lot more bone left. And so it definitely has its place. Like I said, I've done some. But I think it's one of the more overdone operations in orthopedics for sure. Because the advantages of a partial knee are you get to keep not just your cartilage, but you also keep your normal anatomic ligaments, your anterior cruciate ligament, your posterior cruciate ligament, 
on the side that you don't replace, you're going to keep your meniscus. So these are all ligaments that are important in the way the knee functions. So you definitely have a more natural functioning knee if you have a partial knee replacement. But again, how many people are going to notice the difference? <laughs> it's, there's not that many people that are practicing athletics over the age of 50 at a level where they're going to know the difference between a partial and a total knee replacement. But again, if you're 50 or in that area, I think it's perfectly reasonable if you've had a damage to one side of your knee and you want to get rid of that part and replace it and keep the other part because the other part is good. So, you know, a lot of these operations in orthopedics, some of them come and go. Like 20 years ago, they were doing a lot of hip resurfacing. And the hip resurfacing is, so I do shoulder resurfacings, but the difference between the hip and the shoulder is the, the hip is bearing weight and the shoulder is not. And, I mean, yeah, if you're doing push-ups or something, but, you know, you're not walking on it all day. And so the, the hip resurfacing, which just put a metal cap on the ball part, but then a large socket on the other part, and there's some nuances to that because normally when you replace a hip, you cut the head off and you put a stem down, and there's a smaller ball, and then you put a socket in, and that ball sits in that socket. With the resurfacing, the ball is full size, essentially. The ball of the replacement is full size. That makes the socket need to be full size. And so they started using metal on metal instead of metal on plastic because most knees and hips are metal. I mean, all knees are metal on plastic, but most hips are metal on plastic. And so they began, when they were doing hip resurfacing, they began doing metal on metal hips. And that caused all kinds of troubles and it's just too much to go into right now, but just suffice it to say, I don't really know that anybody's still doing those. I certainly haven't heard of anybody doing them in a long time. I mean, there may be some people, but it's it was something that, what I'm talking about again is hip resurfacing as opposed to a normal hip replacement. It's something that showed some promise, and then it kind of ran through, and then people decided it wasn't any good. That's why I'm so cautious about starting new things i need to see some data well you know how long has this been put in and things like that and so when i started doing the shoulder resurfacing eight years ago it had been going in for eight years so i felt like there was good data to show that it was safe and so far i've not had any of those fail i do not know of one of those shoulder resurfacing that has failed and i have people doing all kinds of heavy lifting and things of that nature but overall, like I said, things come in orthopedics like anything else. They come in, oh, this is a new hot thing, and three, four years later, oh, you're doing those anymore? No, I'm not doing those anymore. Why? Well, I had all this trouble with this. So I'm pretty cautious about that. But so anyway, that's, uh, that's the show for today. Just want to talk a little bit about partial knee replacements and their place in the overall perspective of knee replacement and spring is coming so get out there and use your knees and so i will be back next week and you have a blessed week iowa this has been the saint anthony hospital orthopedic show with dr richard godding for more information about dr godding his practice or saint anthony hospital orthopedics go to www.stanthonyhospital.org or make an appointment by calling 712-794-5536